Today on the Talent Cast, we talk about the recruiting funnel. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't go, don't go. Stay right there. Hold on. It'll be fine. I promise this will not be yet another boring-ass lecture about the stooping recruiting funnel you only kind of sort of care about on an occasional basis. This is a whole different thing. This, let's call it a brand new funnel, has a has the potential to radically change the way you do everything. Yeah, I, 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 it, like I said, this is going to be interesting. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast. I'm your host, James Ellis. This podcast has one simple goal, to change the conversation around recruiting, employer brand, and hiring. Simple as that. The only way we can do that is by making this a 100% no-pitch zone, meaning no one's making any money, no one's giving any money, nobody's sponsoring anything. So please come join us, come learn, come engage in this conversation, come grow our industry with me. Uh, if you want to talk to me, I'm on Twitter, at the War for Talent, or you can look at our website, thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, let's get to it. Hey, how you doing? Uh, James Ellis here. Uh, I cannot tell you how thrilled I am for this episode. I've been waiting for this one for a couple of weeks now. Uh, just, you're going to see. It, I think this, I don't know how long this is going to go. I don't know how deep I'm going to get into this, but I think this is a very interesting subject and a very interesting idea. Housekeeping, obviously I'm going to be at ERE next month and I'm going to be at RecruitCon the month after that. Show notes will give you links and all that good stuff. I absolutely have to thank uh, Audrey Knight and Lindsay Parks who were the first people to see this thing and kind of say, yeah, this is a thing, um, you know, to Tell me I'm not crazy or any more crazy than already than you already think I am. Uh, so thanks to them, absolutely. Um, okay, here's the deal. The future of recruiting isn't actually that far off. It, it, it's actually today. You know, I know we talk about bots and AI and it's all magic stuff that one day we're going to get to it. I'm, I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about changing the way we do think about recruiting because, frankly, all the ways we do recruiting are broken. It, it completely broken. I mean, all the work that you are doing is there to patch up a broken system, is to kind of uh, put your finger in the dike, so to speak, of you know holding back how broken the system is. As much as we pretend our lives are completely different as they were 10 or 20 or 30 years ago, let's be honest, you are still posting pretty mediocre-ass job descriptions to job boards and hoping to God someone clicks on them, right? You're hoping to God that that crappy job description will be enough to get people to apply. Isn't that like... 60, 70, 80% of your job? Isn't that really how your most of your applicants are coming? Whether they're good applicants or bad applicants, that's the basics of how you're doing recruiting. Are you uh, still sourcing like 100 or 200 or more people just to make one hire? Are you spending 99% of your time generating applications that you literally throw out the window? Are you in the recruiting business? Or are you in some sort of application and resume storage business? I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. Invest in AI. Go ahead and buy a bot, and to which I will say, hey, Ian Hamilton, uh, want to talk to you about bots more one day uh, very soon because <laughs> it's cool, but not what we're talking about today. Get a shiny new social tool. That's fantastic. Go invest in a brand new ATS. Not an old model, but a new one. CRMs are great. All that stuff. Fantastic stuff. But all they're doing is helping you add applications to the pile of applications you already have. Okay. Just do the math. Look at how many applications you generate and collect for every hire. And what do you do with those applications when you're done? And it's because, well, maybe not directly because, but certainly a function of spending the last five or 10 years adopting marketing's funnel, the recruiting funnel. And frankly, I love the funnel. You know I do. Uh, anybody who used to work for me, they know I love a funnel. Um, 
it, it's been a huge boon. It's been a huge blessing. It's really helped us focus our thoughts on that whole idea of unaware, aware, interested, decision, action, right? That model, whether it's true of Cheerios and, 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 and cars and homes, is also true of looking for a job and applying for a job. And using that model has been super helpful. Now, obviously, there's some differences, some quibbles uh, in the recruiting game. Like I said before, uh, if you are there to sell ice cream cones and you sell a million ice cream cones, you're getting a raise. If you're there to sell a job and you get a million applications, you're getting fired. Just that simple. It's a quality over quantity game overall. And there are distinctions and nuances that are all throughout that we could talk about later. But in the end, that funnel helps us understand what we're doing. The problem really is, is that that funnel is literally 100% transactional. Simple as that. And anybody who's seen me speak lately or talked to me lately knows that I'm all about how do we move out of the transactional space into something more, let's call it relationship driven, right? The funnel distills your job into that of a cowboy or cowgirl who herds cows from one pen to another. You get a thousand cows into the interested pen and you move 200 of them into the applied pen and move 20 of them to the phone screen pen. And when you move three of them into the interview pen and you, you know, sing rawhide, rawhide, whoosh, you know, get, get, get going, you doggies. Whoosh, and this is where I don't sing. Um, that's your job. You're a cowboy or cowgirl moving people from one to the other. It's about how many moves can you make? How do you take a thousand interested people into 200 resumes and applications into 20 phone screens or whatever your magic number is into three uh, interviews or five interviews in some cases, just so you can pick one person. Your job is to push people from one pen to the other. Having fun yet? Is that, that your, what you thought your job was? Because it's what your job is. And that's the funnel's fault. The funnel has focused all of our attention and energy and metrics into a process of getting people aware, getting those people aware, people interested, getting interested people applying, getting in, applying people into the phone screen, getting phone screen people to go to the interview, getting interview people to accept a job. That sucks. I mean, that's what we would do, right? Isn't that really your life right now? Isn't that every recruiter you've ever met, that's their life? Whether they're sourcers or recruiters or talent coordinators or whatever you want to call yourselves, their job is to move cattle from one pen to the next. That sucks. Five or 10 years ago, the funnel was fantastic. It really helped us understand how all of our tools and tactics impacted people at different stages, right? You know, there's a piece of content that would have been great at generating awareness. You can't reuse it at the validation stage or the interview stage. It doesn't do or hold the same value. And having that funnel lets us kind of think through those problems in a much more effective way. Before the funnel, if we said we just need content, you know, you and I would have had broad conversations about how, how cool content is, but we would not have been able to be very specific about what piece of content you need at any given stage. We just would have painted with this broad content brush that, you know, not that effective. The funnel was helpful. It helped us... Yeah, it, what it did, it put us on the same page so we could share a perspective so that we could talk about those tools and tactics the same way. So we weren't talking past each other. Super helpful in that regard. Because when you're bringing an agency in or you're hiring a new person or you're talking about employer brand or talking to leadership, you need to have everybody kind of talking on the same page. And leveraging a marketing tool like a funnel, super effective way to do it. It gets everybody there. The problem, of course, is as the world has changed, the funnel has not and that's wrong. The funnel can change, and the funnel has changed. The trick is, if there is a trick, is to take a couple of steps back and say, 
If I relabel the recruiting funnel and I called it, let's say, the talent funnel, how would it be different? How would a recruiting funnel differ from a talent funnel? Well, here's what I have. And Frank, at this point, I'm going to take a moment and, and say I'm publishing this podcast in conjunction with our friends over at ERE. Hey, Todd, thanks so much. Um, so if this podcast drops like at 1 o'clock in the morning uh, Chicago time, the ERE article that has the visuals that will help you kind of see what I'm talking about will drop in about eight hours. And if you're listening to this podcast like a week or two after I publish it, don't worry, I will link to it and, and, and all that good stuff. So there's that thing. You can read all about this on the ERE article, and I hope you do, because I think this there is a visual component of this that really helps. But you can still walk through the idea. And it starts with this. The funnel, every funnel, the talent funnel, starts far, far, far before you're, you talk recruiting. It starts with a business need. If your business doesn't need somebody, if your business doesn't need talent, if your business doesn't need to put a butt in a seat, what are we talking about? And you might say, well, that's assumed. Of course we have to have a business need to, to talk about talent and talk about recruiting, except we, by assuming it, we ignore it. We skip it, and I don't think we should skip it because I think that's the first step to putting recruiters and hiring managers on the same page. How many of you, show of hands, and I can see through your podcast tool of choice here, yes, I am magical, um, how many recruiters by show of hands feel like their hiring managers treat them as equals? Not too many, hmm, okay. How many of you here feel like order takers in general and are frustrated by that? Oh, look, more hands, interesting. The problem is, is that when, as recruiters, we come in and we say, we're here to help you. We're here to serve you. Would you like fries with that? Um, you come in. You let the business manager tell you, a hiring manager tell you what they want. They want this school and this uh, previous uh, job title and this previous company, and you don't want to pay more than X amount of dollars, and you need somebody yesterday, and blah, 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 blah. Same stuff, right? Usual stuff. And your job as recruiters to take the order and come back with a bunch of candidates. That puts you on unequal footing. But if you start with the business, not the hiring manager, but the business needs a person, needs a role, needs a set of skills, and it is both of your jobs as recruiters and hiring managers to find and hire and retain that skill, suddenly you're on the same page. Suddenly you're on the same footing. Suddenly you can have much better conversations about what will it take to bring someone in who fills that need. Not the preconceived idea of what the hiring manager thinks they need, but what you as a hiring expert, and by the way, that's what you are, what you as a hiring expert can tell them in ahead of time. Now, some of you have this relationship, and man, you are living the good life, you know, relatively speaking. There are many, many recruiters who are, who are looking at you jealously, but it starts by defining and reminding everybody there's a business need for talent. Okay, so business needs talent. They just go out and hire, right? No, 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 no. If you're in a company of more than, say, three or four people, there are processes. And if you're in a company of more than a couple hundred people, there are a lot of processes. And those processes can include things like um, salary leveling. And should this person be an entry-level person? Does this person need a manager title? Does this person need a senior manager title or an executive manager or a director or a president or a vice president? What is the level at, this work, at, at which this job should exist? Um, if they exist at that job, what should the salary range be? Let's go talk to people who do similar jobs. Or let's look at our compensation team and ask what is a standard or what is a, uh, a median salary for this kind of job? 
What is the process by which you write a job description? Do you pluck them out of thin air? Did you buy that book and you just pulled it or did you? He looks around. Did you go to like Career Builder or Monster or Indeed and search for that job title and steal someone else's? I bet some of you did. I bet you did. Who owns the job description? Who writes the job description? Who confirms that the job description conforms to what the hiring manager thinks they're hiring for and what the recruiter then is then tasked with looking for? There are lots and lots and lots of processes. Again, this is a great way for recruiters who might feel like order takers to suddenly realize their potential and their value to the business, right? Uh, here's a quick trick. Uh, stop calling them intake meetings. Start calling them strategy meetings. Somebody pointed that at a, a social recruiting strategies uh, conference two, three weeks ago, and it just stuck in my mind. I went, well, duh, reframe it. <laughs> It's not an intake meeting. Intake meeting sounds like an order taker's job. Strategy meeting sounds like the meetings of minds, which is good. So you have to understand that there are a lot of HR processes that happen before any of the recruiting process happens. Now, at that stage, the recruiting funnel happens. Awareness, interest, decision, action, pretty much the same thing, right? Standard stuff. That still is absolutely true. But instead of looking through the world through a straw, we're taking a much wider perspective and seeing the bigger picture. We're seeing the whole board. And for those of you who know, uh, you know, the West Wing, that's a great uh, episode of the West Wing when uh, President Bartlett tells Rob Lowe's character to see the whole board. That's the nature of strategy, seeing the whole board. And that's what this is. So once you've gotten people interested and they apply for the job, the recruiter's job is not done, obviously. Even though so many funnels stop at that stage, some funnels add the, fr you know, the levels for interviewing and hiring, which is great because that's frankly something that happens in the talent process. You can't go through, you can't be hired and become talent unless you've been interviewed and hired. So we can't ignore those steps. And we'll talk about those more in a minute. Is there more? Oh, yes, there is. Oh, there's so much more because what happens once they're hired? Will they show up? And then what? You don't just walk away. The talent just doesn't just sit there. The talent just doesn't do the thing it's told to do. I mean, if you're any good, if you've hired anybody of any value, you onboard them. You get them up to speed on what your company does. You get them up to speed on what the job is. You show them a bit more of the bigger picture. If they're being hired to do SEO and analysis, what else is happening around them? How does their job line up to the business need? How does their job impact the larger bottom line of the company? Giving them the perspective to say, oh, you know, if I go learn how to do a little bit more regression analysis, turns out I can be not just a better SEO person, but I can add more value to the company, therefore positioning myself to make more money. You've got a team who are there to train and develop people. And if you do, thank goodness, isn't that a nice thing? You should go use them. And if you don't have a team, do you have any policies that say, yes, we will pay for some books or we have a library of classes you can take to help train and develop your people? Because the ultimate goal of hiring someone isn't to hire them, really. It's to promote them. You know you're doing a good job as a recruiter if the people you hire get promoted. That is your KPI. Now, we'll never get to that point. We'll be able to measure that because it's a super, 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 super long uh, prospect of understanding that, but that is your goal. In the same way the job of a leader is to create more leaders who create more leaders, there's no way to measure that over time because you're talking generations, right? But the job of a recruiter is to hire people worth promoting. 
If you have hired people who are great at doing that job and nothing more, you are an okay recruiter. You are not a great recruiter. Regardless of how fast you do it, you're there to find people who can be developed to be better and more valuable to the company. Simple as that. The real metric, if you've got a training and developing team, development team, is how many, how often are you promoting people? Why does that matter? Well, if you're looking to hire another manager of SEO, I'm back to this SEO, I don't know why, uh, but if you're looking to hire a manager of SEO, if you went outside your company and hired them, would you pay more or less than if you promoted someone from within? And if you paid less, and that's good, or pay, pay more for the external hire, did you also factor in that it's going to take them one, two, six months to get up onboarded, to get up to speed, that you're spending all that money on someone who's not actually driving value yet? Whereas if you hired someone from within, that timeline is much, much shorter. What's more valuable to you? The truth is the talent model that we're talking about here also needs to include internal mobility. Because if you're hiring from within more often, that means you don't have to go spending a whole stack of cash on, say, executive search uh, companies. You can bring people from within, and most of your recruiters can focus on building the bottom of that tree, the building the base of that tree. Great entry-level and near-entry-level near people that can get promoted and trained and developed and grow up within the company. That's a far more effective job than having to source everything from scratch. Okay, so you're developing these people. They feel connected to your brand. So this, no, we got a couple of steps here. I'm not done. This is a different thing, trust me. You're developing them, you're training them, you're promoting them, everything is great. What should you ask for then? Referrals. Oh, for the love of all that is recruiting holy. Referrals. If you've hired a smart person and they're prom you're promoting them and that's how good they are, guess what? Every people they know are also that good. Do you hang out? Are you stupid and hang out with other stupid people? If you were stupid, you might hang out with other stupid people. If you're not stupid, you probably don't hang out with stupid people. You probably hang out with people who are good like you. People tend to like like. Simple as that. Baseline idea. This is how people work. So if you have someone who's fantastic, leverage their networks. Ask them to ask people. And frankly, if you're promoting them, do you think they have a positive or negative outlook on your brand? Do you think they're leaving, leaving good or bad glass door scores? If you are training them and helping them see a bigger future, hashtag see podcast two weeks ago, um, if you're training them and growing them and helping them see a future that they would not have been able to see without you, guess what? Positive connection to the brand, positive employee experience, positive reviews on, your, on Glassdoor, they are going to connect you with people who are fantastic. When they are out in the world at conferences or parties or social media, will they say nice things about you and be an advocate for you? Hey, guess what? That's the next step, advocating for you. Quick interruption. The goal here is to change the conversation around recruiting, hiring, and employer brand. The only way we can achieve that goal is with your help. And that is not with money, not with sponsorship. No, 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 no. It's to just simply share us and review us. Simple as that. Just review us wherever you get podcasts, share us on social media, say nice things about us or complain about us. I, that really is completely fair. Uh, that's all we really ask. That's all. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, let's get back to the show. The talent funnel is far bigger than a recruiting funnel. The fact that they're leaving or referring people and advocating on your behalf helps your recruiting funnel, the recruiting section of your funnel, which by the way is what is, is it, it all is connected, but you have to see it because if you don't see it, you can't actually invest in it. If you don't see the value of referrals and see how it connects to the larger uh, talent funnel, 
You can't ask uh, HR leadership. You can't ask your, um, your executive team to invest in a referral project because it sounds expensive to give 100, 500, 1,000, 10,000 bucks to, to referrals for people who, you know, to internal staff who made references or referrals. So reference and referrals. I, in my head, I say them like they're the same and they're not. Anyway, if you're going to invest and give cash bonuses to employees who are making referrals for you that you hire, Somebody's got to approve that, and how do you make that case unless they see the entire talent funnel, this comprehensive talent funnel? Okay, not quite done. Because here's the tricky part. One day, looks left, looks right. One day they're going to leave. As good as you are, as wonderful as your company is, as amazing as the opportunities are, people leave. People leave Facebook, people leave Google, people leave SpaceX, people leave Amazon, people leave Netflix, people leave whatever. Everybody leaves eventually. People who stay 20 years are an unusual aberration, and you do not count on them, nor should you. One day they will leave, no matter how good they have it. One day they will say, I need something different, and they will leave. Can we just, as human beings in the recruiting space, embrace that idea? Can we just be all right with it? 20 years ago... Um, you know, back before we've all realized that, hey, tenure is fairly short, uh, before people started showing that, that grid that shows the average tenure at Facebook is less than two years, which I have quibbles with, and there the data, if you look at it, is a little more complicated than that, but anyway, um, people don't stay forever, nor should they. The days of lifelong employment are long gone. Even my father, who is now in his deep 60s, he barely remembers those days. That's a long time ago. And yet we still have this lingering carryover um, feeling that, oh, you're leaving? You're dead to me. You jerk. You betrayer. You North American focus Benedict Arnold. I'm sure there's similar you know, analogs in your country. I, I don't know what they are. Um, we treat them as if they're betraying us. And that's not true. They're moving to separate pastures. They're trying something new. What they want is not being offered here for whatever reason. And it's okay because that's okay. That's human. That's going to happen. You've seen the numbers. You don't expect people to be here forever. So stop ignoring them. You have to invest time and energy into being okay with your alumni. Here's a question. Here's a good litmus test. You make a quick little video and uh, Susan sure, um, says something super nice about you in a video. It's a 15-second piece of a three-minute video. And the video does pretty good traffic. People see it. People watch the whole thing. It's, it's pretty nice. It's helping you out. It helps tell your story. And then tomorrow, Susan says, I'm giving my two weeks notice. I'm going to another company. I need to find a place that's smaller. I need to find a place that whatever. I don't know. Susan's got reasons. Susan's smart. You hired her, you videoed her, you love her. Susan's great. So she has valid reasons. You have to trust that her reasons are valid. How many of you have that thought of, oh, I have to go back to that video and trim out that spot because somebody in HR will complain that people on our website, our video, our social media don't actually work there. And the argument is almost always the same, and it makes me sad, and it makes me crazy all at once. And they go, well, what if someone sees that name, and they go to LinkedIn, and they look up that name, and they realize they're not even here anymore? One, that never happens. <laughs> Be, trust me, if you had candidates who did that much, much research in your brand before they showed up, hire them on the spot. <laughs> but that never happens. What really happens is they say, oh, okay, great. 
fantastic. But the truth is, did Susan mean it when she said it? Yes. Is Susan a smart person? We're presuming so, right? Yes. Does Susan have a network of other smart people? Yes. And if Susan realizes that you're treating her like she's dead to you, is she going to complain to her all of her network of friends and are you burning bridges left and right because of that? Yes, you are. Don't be that person. The truth is, if they said it positively, move along. Use it. It's valuable. At no point do we show commercials where they say, I love my Ford or my Toyota or my Dodge or whatever, and if I can figure out, oh, that person's name is Bob, and I look them up, it goes, they don't drive that car anymore. They drive a Cadillac now. That's, that's, no. It was true when they said it, so it's true. It has value. End of conversation. Now, did they embezzle? Did they sexually harass someone? Did they take a number two on the desk as they walked out the door? Okay, well then, yeah, sure. Take that stuff out. Get, okay, that person's now an embarrassment to you. Susan is no longer a smart, wonderful person. She's a jerk, and you don't want to be associated with her. You want to say that someone had a Harvey Weinstein moment? You want to you know, purge all the Harvey Weinstein-type mentions from it? I buy that completely. That's valuable. That's valid. That's a completely valid response. That is a outlier case. That is a once in a, let's call it a hundred thousand, I hope, case and not standard procedure. But HR will tell you it's a standard procedure and it shouldn't be. Why? Well, beyond the fact that you're not burning bridges, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to stand on this. I, I, I'm making a, making a claim here based on completely anecdotal evidence. I think boomerangs are a thing. They're not an unusual thing anymore. They're going to be a much, much, much more common thing as we move forward. People leave Google, they come back to Google. People leave Facebook, they go back to Facebook. They go out, they get something else from where they want, and they come back, either because they say, you know what, the grass was greener, but I realized what I really wanted was at Facebook or Google or wherever my first company was, and I come back. And that's fantastic. And you always want to leave the door open for them. But if you are not treating your alumni nicely, you have closed the doors on your boomerangs. And by the way, your boomerangs are insanely valuable to you. Why? Because they already know you. They already get the company. They're pre-sold on the brand. They understand what the company and the team's all about. If they were on a different team, they can show up to your team and they can bring a whole slew of value about awareness of how the rest of the company works that you didn't have before. Do not slam the door on these people. You should want these people. That's the talent funnel. That's the whole thing. It's a lot more than just awareness, interest, decision, action, isn't it? It's a lot more. But all these steps have clear implications on how you're hiring and how you're managing your talent. That that's a bigger system than just getting people putting butts in seats. This forces you far beyond the transactional world of put a butt in a seat. Get X number of applications, get X number of hires, get X number of, of, of interviews and screeners to make those hires happen. This is a much less myopic view of talent and how talent happens. This per perspective pretty much begs you to focus on building relationships rather than connect applications, right? Or connect, you know, to then just, you know, collect applications. It begs you to say, look, just because they left doesn't mean they're dead to you. It begs you to say, you hired them, now promote them, and now you can hire a little, little more cheaply, a little lower, and grow them and create value. It forces you to think beyond the hire. Your job as a recruiter is not done. If the truly hiring is everybody's business, and frankly, you should all learn that and tattoo it on your, on your arm and show people so you can say hiring is everybody's job or hiring is everybody's business. This is a systemic, system-based model. You can't just ignore it. You can't just say, oh yeah, my job is to just bring in applicants. My job is just to hire people, and then I'm done. The rest of the funnel, understanding the rest of the funnel, understanding how all the pieces interact and connect, 
changes how you do your job, changes the tools you select. It changes the way you've invested your money. Look, if you're trying to be a world, you know, a company that only promotes from within, you've got to invest more in talent development and you can invest less in sourcing and executive fees and executive headhunting fees. But you can't really have that conversation until you see the whole funnel. And that's what I'm trying to present. You can't realize the boomerang strategy until you understand your alumni. You can't understand um, how to create referrals and, and advocates unless you understand your onboarding strategy, unless it's connected to a business need. These are complicated issues. The, look, I'm, I've, I think I've already said this. All the easy problems are solved. We are now in a world of nothing but complicated problems, so we need a better model with which to solve that problem. And here it is, the talent funnel. This is a better way to have those conversations. And for my money, this is the next five, maybe even 10, 20 years of talent conversations right here. Hiring, recruiting, sourcing, closing, talent development, employer brand, all of it connected into one simple, well, maybe not simple, but one model where you can see how an employer brand way up at the top has deep implications on a referral project, on boomerangs, on onboarding, that you can't just silo this stuff up and just say, okay, you take onboarding and you take alumni and you take employer brands. And by the way, you probably shouldn't talk to each other much. And frankly, even if they do talk to each other, you need that shared model with which to see how what employer brand does over here impacts referrals, impacts alumni, impacts onboarding and what have you, all those connections. You can find and identify brand new solutions you would not have been able to identify before. Maybe your model is to better onboard. Maybe that turns out that's where the bottleneck of creating good referrals and good advocates, which creates better employer brand, which creates a better funnel of higher qualified candidates towards the top who are already interested in the brand because they've been talked to by someone who already works there. Maybe onboarding is the solution to your problem. But you wouldn't know that if you just limited yourself to that initial recruiting funnel. You've got to see the bigger picture. You've got to see the whole board. Your old funnel has been lying to you. This is how you see things differently. So this is kind of new. This is a thing. I don't think I've seen it anywhere. I've asked other people to, to look at it. Like I said, thanks, Audra. Thanks, Lindsay. Lindsay. Um, nobody's really put it all together like this before. So I'm treating this like beta. I'm treating this like I'm putting it out there so that you can kick the tires and you can look at it and tell me I'm wrong or tell me what I missed or tell me what I forgot. I want your input on this. This isn't Moses coming down with stone tablets saying this is the new mo model. This is us being collaborative and talking about better ways to get our job done. So I'm putting this out there openly so that you can respond to it, critique it, add to it, grow it, embrace it, embody it, launch it your own side, on your, in your own company. That's great, whatever. But this is what I'm trying to do with this, which is why I'm trying to do this in conjunction with ERE. And by the way, again, thanks ERE for publishing the visual to this. If you have quibbles, questions, additions, whatever, I'm on Twitter, The War for Talent, at The War for Talent. Uh, I'm on all the time, frankly. <laughs> um, yeah, tell me what you think. Tell me what you see. Tell me what your questions, your issues, what's not clear, what is bro what you think is broken. Let's kick the tires on this thing together. I want this to be... Uh, an idea that has real legs for everybody. So thanks so much for listening. Not the shortest podcast in the world, but like I said, this is a big idea. And hopefully I think, I think, fingers crossed, I think everybody, if they see their hiring problems through this lens, will suddenly be open 
to better, more interesting, more valuable, more creative solutions. That's really what I think this is. This is what this is all about. Simple as that. So talk to me, tell me what you think, and I will talk to you later. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for reviewing us. Thanks so much for leaving some stars. Thanks so much for sharing us with your professional friends. We do appreciate it. Go look at ERE. And hey, like I said, come find me on Twitter. Let's 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 make this thing perfect. Thanks, everybody. Talk to you later. Bye. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. out.